0: Well good morning church. It's good to see everybody here today. A lot of our students are back from college. It's great to see you guys and have you back. And uh, it's been a good week. Uh, I'm part of a pastor's peer group that we usually meet three times a year, usually up in Eau Claire. But the guy who leads our group, the man who leads our group, Bill Tinsley, invited us to his home in Colorado. And so... uh, And so I flew out there Sunday afternoon and uh, got back Wednesday. Just a bunch of preachers kind of sharing life together, talking about things. Uh, And uh, it's been a real uh, blessing to me to be a part of that group. And, you know, yeah, we had to go to Colorado. I guess we're suffering for Jesus, but somebody has to do it, right? (laughs) Anyway. uh, And uh, Carla's in... uh, Minneapolis this week. Now, last Friday, thir- Friday and Saturday, we went out there, and our daughter's in the process of moving. Most of you know, uh, and so when we left, uh, Carla has kind of thought about going back this weekend because she has a three-day weekend. Um, but Jessica said, "Well, you know, why don't we just play by ear?" So, what does that mean? Uh, well, we thought it meant if she wanted her mom to come. She let her know. (coughs) Friday night, I get a call. Carla gets a call, and and I answer her phone uh, because we had some company, and and it was Jessica. And so she said, Dad, are you with Mom? Is Mom on her way? Well, no, Mom was not on her way. We thought you would let us know if you wanted her to come. Well, she did want her to come, and so Carla left Saturday morning and uh, is there. Yesterday was their sixth anniversary. I think maybe she wanted her mom to babysit, which is not a problem for Carla. Uh, and so, uh, but it's just good. Uh, Carla got to go. And, uh, and so, uh, anyway, that's kind of what's happened in our lives. We're in 1 uh, Corinthians today, 1 Corinthians 9, 8 through 27. And the title of the message is, All Things to All Men. Um, and we're veering from Matthew for a week or so, probably just a week. And I wanted to uh, to speak about 1 Corinthians. Uh, all things to all men. Do I say these things on human authority? Does the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he certainly speak for our sakes? It was written for our sakes because the plowman should plow in hope and thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If you, we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do, we, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the, in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rites, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. If I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of the ground for boastings, of my ground for boastings. <coughs> for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necess- necessity is laid upon me, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own accord, of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with the stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I become as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I become as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I become weak that I might win the weak. <coughs> I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others... I myself should be disqualified. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. John Leonard Dover and David Nietzsche are names you may not readily recognize. (coughs) John was a potter and David was a carpenter. Ordinary occupations, but, but truly these were extraordinary men. There are men who left the security of their jobs and families in Copenhagen to become the first Moravian missionaries in 1732. <coughs> John Leonard Dober and David Nishman are unsung heroes. They weren't going on a nice little short-term mission trip. Um, they desired to reach the, safe population, uh, the slave population of the West Indies with the gospel. They were willing even to sell themselves into slavery... To answer the call. That's what they thought they were going to have to do. The call to come and minister the gospel to us. <coughs> that kind of gives a new a new meaning to the phrase sold out for Christ, doesn't it? Uh, they weren't allowed to become slaves. But they still went to the West Indies and they supported themselves by being carpenters. <coughs> they went to the West Indies in order to have the opportunity to reach the slaves of the West Indies for the Lord. And their purpose was to follow the Lamb who had given His life for them and for the souls of the world. Their commitment was was this. Our Lamb is conquered. Let us follow Him. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of His suffering. Our Lamb is conquered. Let us follow Him. May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward of His suffering. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about the mission of the church from Matthew and uh, the, the taking of the gospel to the world to be on mission with Jesus. We realize that this is a call to serve behind enemy lines in enemy territory, not giving in to fear or those who would distract us from this mission. We always remember that as the church, we're not here to hunker down and protect ourselves and wait for the rescue from Jesus. Uh, We're here to storm the gates of hell, the scripture tells us, and to take for Jesus those held captive by Satan's power. We're here so that men and women and boys and girls might come to know Christ, that the gospel would go to every tribe, language, people, and nation. That is the purpose of God's people. That is the purpose of the church. Today I want to be real practical in this calling as we look at this passage from 1 Corinthians 9. What What are you and I willing to do That men and women and boys and girls might know Jesus, that the gospel might go to the ends of the earth. What will we give up so that others might hear the gospel? You know, I personally know of others who have given up homes, careers, comfort and security that Christ may be known. I know people who are serving in very dangerous positions and places in the world to take the gospel to those who have never heard. I can't even tell you their names or where they are because that would endanger them. That would endanger them. And so the question I ask myself and the question I ask you this morning is how far are you and I willing to go in sharing our lives so that others might come to know Jesus. Now Paul's words to the first Corinthians tell how far that he was willing to go in sharing the gospel and so I think, I think from this passage, we want to ask ourselves a few questions. First of all, what sacrifices will we make? What sacrifices will we make? Now, Paul shared with the Corinthians the sacrifice he made in sharing the gospel. He, uh, Paul made the sacrifice of not making his living from the gospel. He did not receive a salary. He was a tent maker. Paul would go into a city and he would pull out his tools and he would make tents. And that's how he supported himself. Now, there were a few times in the ministry, you know, the Philippians and some others would send him gifts, but Paul never requested them. (coughs) He accepted them, but he never asked the churches that that he started and served. He never received a salary for anything that he did. Could Paul have asked the churches and the people to support his ministry? He could have offered that. That's what he's talking about in the first few verses we read. Would that have been good? Well, yes, in some ways it would have been good. It would have been good for Paul. It would have been good for Paul. Uh, for, to have someone support him, and for those who support him. You see, not only is missions good for missionaries, but it's good for you and I when we support those who go to the ends of the earth. It's good, it gives us a worldview, and we should do that. <clears throat> However, Paul did not want anyone to accuse him of doing what he did for financial gain. You know, we live in a world and people look at all these TV evangelists and they think they're all in it for the money. And I'm telling you, I, I tend to agree with them on a lot of them. It does seem that they're in it for what's what they can financially get out of that. And and so in our day, we have to be very careful about the appearance of, uh, of, of sharing the gospel uh, in order to become rich or make a living. That's why Billy Graham, all through his ministry, had a board and had a set salary. Uh, that's why other people did that. That's why when we hear of a pastor making uh, five hundred thousand dollars a year or something, it just it's just not, it just doesn't sit good with us. It doesn't sit good with me. Now I I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't want you to keep me poor, you know. But but there is something about about getting rich, about about preaching the gospel for what's in it for you. And Paul said, I'm not, I'm just not going to take it. I'm just not going to take anything from anyone except a except few gifts that he received from some of the churches in order that he might remove that obstacle in the minds of uh, people of the world. And Paul also said, I want to share, I want the reward of sharing the gospel other, with others without any material gain for myself. He was compelled to preach the gospel, and so he made the sacrifice of not making his living from the gospel. He was a tent maker. You know, most people don't realize it, but most of the pastors, most of the pastors in the United States today are tent makers. Very few pastors can be supported by the congregations that they that they they pastor to. I'm grateful for you guys that I can be supported. But I'm telling, I know many of my friends, many of the pastors I worked with as a director of missions, they the churches they served were smaller and they couldn't make a living uh, those churches, if even if they, most of them wanted to pay their pastors better, they couldn't do it. And so these men would work full-time jobs. One of the pastors that I served uh, with, who was in Red Wing, uh, Minnesota, he would work night shifts, four 10-hour shifts, at, uh, four nights of the week, in order to be able to pastor uh, the Hiawatha Valley Church in Red Wing, uh, Minnesota. And so I, I, we forget that there are still people doing... Uh, a lot of this thing, and, 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 you know, I just admire them. You know, I, I just thank God for them. And, and in a way, they, and, and the truth is, they might go somewhere else and they might can make a living from the gospel if they went to bigger churches somewhere else. You know, there's a lot of Baptist churches in the South, and, and you can make a living in it, but they, they decided they wanted to go somewhere where maybe there was a greater need for evangelicals. And so, Paul laid down his privileges in order to follow Christ. He sacrificed those. And I ask myself, what sacrifice am I willing to make? And I ask you, what sacrifices are you willing to make? Secondly, what rights will we give up? What rights will we give up? Now, Paul was willing to give up any privileges he might have because of his calling. He, 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 uh, the privilege of being supported, the privilege of comfort. Man, Paul had an uncomfortable life. Paul could have been married. You know, the uh, we know the apostle Peter was married, and uh, some of the other apostles were married. Paul said he and Barnabas were not married. Uh, he could have had a wife. There wasn't it wasn't wrong for him to have a wife, but he didn't have a wife because he lived a hard life, and he wanted to give all he had to uh, to sharing the gospel. We live in a day when everyone wants their rights. Everyone wants uh their rights. We demand our rights. We think our country, our society owes us everything. But Paul surrendered his rights to serve Jesus. He surrendered his wife to serve Jesus. He lived the crucified life so that others might be saved. Might come to know and love and serve Jesus. Under the inspiration, Paul wrote something that should be true of every one of our lives. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul Paul gave up certain rights in order to proclaim the gospel. Now, uh, I knew a young. I heard a story of a young man who was a, a member of a church, and he came out of Islam. He came. He, uh, he was. He came to Christ out of Islam, and uh, his church was a was a big church, and they were having this. Uh, <coughs> you know kind of uh picnic or something and they were serving sandwiches and and uh and i think they were out of almost everything and uh but but except ham and so when he went there he said well what do you've got and they said well basically we just have ham and uh, he said well you know just give me a couple pieces of bread and you know some other some vegetables and i'll be fine and one of the ladies there said well you know uh you know, you're you're a Christian now. You don't have to live by those dietary laws. And he said, that's true. I don't have to choose to live by those dietary laws. But every time I go home uh, to the Middle East to see my father, he will ask me the question, well, have those infidels taught you to eat pork yet? And as long as I can say they have not, I can still be involved in the lives of my family. And so he said... I'm going to be involved in the lives of my family. I'm going to share my life with them. I'm going to seek to share the gospel with them. I'm going to forgo the the right of being able to eat ham. That's what it's all about. We give up certain things in order that we might uh, be able to share better with others. We might be able to share better with others. So what rights will we give up for for, uh, the gospel? Thirdly, what preferences will we forego? Paul said to the Corinthians, I will live like a Jew, around the Jews, and I will live under the law. And I think he maybe is talking about the Pharisees when he says this. I will live under the law as one under the law, so that I might win the Jews and those under the law. Paul says, I'll live like a Gentile, without the law, while around the Gentiles, I will will, uh, live like the weak among the weak. Now what's Paul telling us here? Is he some kind of jellyfish that just, you know, he never has any convictions about anything? Here's what he's not telling us. He's not telling us that we should uh, change the message of the gospel. He's not telling us that. What he is telling us is that he adopted the cultural identity of those he was trying to reach. He adopted their culture. He didn't seek to preach his culture. Uh, he preached and proclaimed the good news of Jesus, uh, that Jesus came to forgive and save and give life. Paul would overlook certain personal habits, cultural differences, even adopt those differences in order to culturally um, be able to share the gospel with the, those who needed the gospel. He, he, I, he, there are certain things he probably wouldn't talk about, certain things that he would talk about in order to be able to, to bridge the gap and share with those who needed Jesus. As Southern Baptists we, uh, we take up the Lottie Moon Christ, uh, offering for international missions every Christmas. And Lottie Moon inspired us. If you know her life. If you don't you ought to look her up sometime. Lottie Moon inspired us um, to give and pray and go and reach the nations. You know something Lottie Moon did that other missionaries of her day did not do? When she would go to China she gave up her western dress. She, she, she adopted the cultural preferences of those she was trying to reach. While other missionaries dressed as Westerners. And so she was effective in taking the gospel to many in China. Certain things that we do are cultural. There are things that we do as Americans that maybe if we go somewhere else, we don't need to do them. We need to let them go. Do we have anything, cultural things, American things, Baptist things, traditions, prejudices, annoyance, personal habits, political views that might hinder someone from coming to Christ? Are we willing to forgo those preferences in order to help someone know Christ? You know, I know some people that won't go to a church because it's filled with a lot of right-wing Republicans. Now, I'm not going to tell you whether you should be a right-wing Republican or a left-wing Democrat. I'm not going to tell you that. But I'm telling you, if you always share your political views and your preferences, that will hinder you from being able to share the gospel with others. That will hinder you from being able to share the gospel with others. And I want to tell you what's more important is that people would come to believe in Jesus. If you think some political party or some president is going to save this country, is going is to bring in the kingdom of God, you're wrong. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So we need to preach Jesus. We need to preach His truth and His ways. And we need to be careful that our own political views and our own cultural views do not, do not hinder others from, uh, from hearing about Jesus. ...from hearing about Jesus. Um, we should be careful in Christ's church not to emphasize our preferences. We should not major on minor things that might drive people away from Jesus and his church. And we have to ask ourselves if people would come with obnoxious habits... ...or political views that are opposite of ours or outlandish dress. Will we seek to ignore those things? Will we, will we seek to love them and tell them about Jesus... Will will we stop trying to make them like us and want them to become like Jesus? Jesus was a friend of sinners. He loved those who hated him and he still loved those who hate him. He was known as a friend of sinners and outcasts. And so we need to ask ourselves what's more important to make people like us? Or to help people come to faith in Jesus? What preferences will we forego to be able to share the gospel of Jesus? And finally, what disciplines will you acquire? Now, Paul compared living for the Lord as a race where only one wins the prize. If you've ever known athletes, you know that they spend a lot of time disciplining themselves, they're in training. You know, I've known cross country runners. World-class runners who, who basically gave up their total social lives in order that they might train and train and train and train. Uh, they discipline themselves so that they might run the race well. <coughs> Athletes run with purpose and mission in mind. They run with discipline. Paul said he disciplined his body to keep it under control. Some translations use the phrase, beat my body. And the phrase is very strong in the original. It it means he gave himself a black eye. He beat his body and made it his slave so that after having preached to others, he he would not be disqualified. Paul did not want anything uh, in his life would disqualify him from sharing in 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 the mission of the gospel. He did not want anything that might bring dishonor on the Savior that he loved. He did not want to to do anything to mess up his walk with Jesus. He didn't want to hinder the mission of sharing the gospel in any way. We also must run with discipline. We have to train our minds to share the gospel. We have to be in the word of God. We have to to read it. We have to think about how we are going to communicate and share with others who might disagree with us. We have to take care of our bodies. so that we have energy to do the work that God wants us to do. One of the huge regrets of my life, and I'm not I'm not the model of uh, human health right now, but when I was in my 30s, I did not take care of myself. I didn't exercise and I overate, and and that's why I'm a type 2 diabetic today. Uh, I might have had those tendencies anyway, but I just wonder I, I wonder if I would have taken better care of myself, and I had exercised more regularly, if I would not be a type 2 diabetic I don't know only God knows that but I do know that when I start taking care of myself I feel better and I can have more energy and I do try to exercise regularly and uh, I still gotta work on what I've eaten Carla tries to whip me in line in that but the truth is you can become so out of shape physically you don't have the energy to do what God wants you to do we have to take care of our bodies so that we'll have the energy to do what God wants us to do. We have to have certain disciplines. The discipline of being in God's word every day. The discipline of even coming uh, to church and, and worshiping with the people of God. You know, um, you're not going to bear witness to Jesus if you're not regularly in contact with other believers. Uh, you you're, you probably won't even care about that. You'll lose that fire. And so so we have to acquire disciplines in order, we have to make our bodies our slaves, so that we might be servants of Jesus. This is Memorial Day weekend, and we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifices for our freedoms. We remember those who trained and gave their lives for our nation. In particular, I think of, a, and of an active duty soldier that was a, that was grew up in my church in Iowa, and. Uh, And his family was a part of my church. I taught him in Sunday school. And in 2012, uh, he was killed in Afghanistan and I conducted his funeral. You know, Brandon was not a super human person. But he was a young man willing to make sacrifices to defend our country and our freedoms. And so I asked myself, am I willing to make sacrifices, forego rights, give up preferences, discipline myself for the cause that's more important than defending the freedoms of our nation for the cause of the gospel? Will you and I do so that others might know our Savior who loves them enough that He sacrifices life for their salvation and forgiveness? How far are you and I willing to go in sharing our lives so that others might come to to know Christ? Will we be a part of His church on mission with Jesus so that the Lamb that was slain will receive the reward of His suffering? Let's pray together. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I said this at Brandon's funeral and I'll say it again. You're not ready to die. Uh, for our nation or for anything else if you're, not, if you're not right with God and ready to meet your Savior. He loves you. He died for you. He, he came to give you eternal life and purpose in life and meaning in life. He died so that all of your sins forgive, can be forgiven. And He rose again. And He will enter your life and save your soul today. Would you give your life to Christ? Is He knocking at the door of your life? Would you say yes to Jesus Maybe for the first time, yes, Jesus, I'm tired of living for myself. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to be on mission with you. I need forgiveness that only you can give. If you've never done that, will you give your life to Christ? Believers, is there something that God might be leading us to do specifically that that we need to do in order to share the gospel with others? Maybe it's just maybe it's just begin to to try to build relationships with others across the road or in our, in our work. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. God can be calling. God calls people in the midst of life to, to go places and to do things that they never thought they'd do. Whatever God is leading you to do. I want to say this in all sincerity. Nothing you give up for Jesus is really a sacrifice. Whatever it costs us to follow Jesus and be on mission with Him, it is absolutely worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Uh, I think Kathy and, uh, and I think it Damon. Is it Damon are going to be back there. If you need to pray with someone, talk to someone about anything that, that the Lord has spoken to you about today, they'll be back there to uh, pray and help you. Father, we love you. And Lord, I pray that, that I would not just be preaching a sermon, but I pray that this, these things would be true in my life. That I'd be willing to do, to be all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. That I'd be willing to sacrifice that the gospel might go around the world. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to truly do these things. I pray that you'd help me. I pray that you'd help every other person. I pray if there's anybody here, Lord, that never has given their life to Jesus. Lord, I pray that they'd see that that Jesus is life and living for Him is life and being on a mission with Him is life. I pray that you'd work in their lives in a mighty and miraculous way to give life to those who do not yet have life. Lord, draw us to yourself. Let us live for the glory of your name alone. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.